Good evening, Mr. Bond fans, and welcome once again to Diminishing Returns. Uh, thank you, Tomo. As always, wonderful work. We're back on Bond this week, guys. The living daylights. It was a view to a kill. Oh, yeah, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, and we've got a couple of more Bonds lined up before the uh, the new one, which is exciting oh, for me. We're having a big Bond build-up. Mm. Mm. Yes. We're ploughing through them now, much like... Uh... Much like the franchise was ploughing through lead actors circa 1987-ish. <laughs> well, because they changed a 57-year-old man for uh, a younger man. For what? For what? Yeah, and then they only kept him round for two films and then changed him out for someone else, didn't they? Well, you got the lawyers to blame for that. I think we'll talk more about that in the next... Yeah, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Film. I'm yeah. still excited about him joining. <laughs> so, yeah, we're talking about The Living Daylights, which is Timothy Dalton's first James Bond adventure. So, I know this will be the first time you've seen this film. Alan, is it the first time yes. you've seen it? Um, I'm definitely not familiar with these Dalton ones. If I've ever seen them before, it was a long time ago. Mm. There's definitely a couple of moments where I was like, oh, I've seen that, but I think I might have just seen clips or something. But, oh, okay. no, this is very, it's all relatively new to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, Dalton... Most famous for being in Flash Gordon a bit <laughs> at this point. I mean, what was he, Calvin? What was the what was who was he in 1987? He was a serious Shakespearean actor. Ah, you sound that like little hedgehog in Toy Story Four. <laughs> yeah. So, what was he? Was he stage? Yeah, I I believe so. I I know that Alan. How do you not know that? I know fuck all about. Oh, this fuck shit. all that Timothy Dalton. I should have. I'm going to look him <laughs> up now. Which, fair enough, I should have probably have done before we started recording. I mean, he'd, he'd been in films. He was in Flash Gordon. Um, yeah, that was it. Who was he in Flash Gordon? <laughs> not Brian Blessed, that's who he was. And he wasn't <laughs> Flash Gordon. I've seen Flash Gordon. I don't remember Timothy Dalton in it. Oh, he is in it. Uh, He's like sure the, 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 sort of, the, you know, sexy one. I think he fights Flash Gordon at some point, but then, have like, we, turns. Have we never covered something with Brian Blessed in it? No. He's not in a lot. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. he's more stage, legitimately. Well, I think we need to do something with Brian Blessed in it. So, Timothy, if you want to do I, Claudius, I'm all up for that, but it is like 12 hours long. We'll, we'll do a Patreon vote for Brian Blessed season. Oh, no, because <laughs> we'll end up doing that fucking episode of The Queen's Nose that he's in or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Some bullshit where he's playing, like, Ghost of Henry VIII. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Look, I'm, I'm just having a quick look here. Look, he's done, yeah, little films. and It does seem like he was relatively, like, not famous <laughs> when he became Bond. Which, but I mean, you could say the same about Daniel Craig, really. I know he he wasn't, like, a leading man. He wasn't, mm. well, he was a leading, but he wasn't, like, a Hollywood star, was he, you know? Um, well, isn't that always the case with James Bond? Isn't yeah. Isn't that the whole point? They, they grab someone who's kind of an unknown, a bit of an up-and-comer... Like Marvel with its directors now, where someone they can... Although having said that, Sam Raimi doing Doctor Strange 2, I can't fucking wait. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, yeah, isn't that the idea? They kind of get someone that they can tie into a really full-on contract with loads of clauses about how they live their life and what they can say and do. And, and can't wear tuxedos in any other kind yeah. of uh, mm-hmm. media. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, if you look at Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan, they'd done films, but they were mainly known for TV shows. Uh, Connery mm. had been in stuff, but not really as, like, much of a leading man anyway. Um, same with Dalton. But Dalton was mainly known for stage stuff. So he was sort of, if anything, he was the highbrow Bond, especially coming off of uh, Roger Moore, who sort of, like, you know... Mm. Learn the lines, don't bump into the furniture, and just do the do the stuff. Whereas here's an actor who's going to go back, read all the Fleming books, and take it very seriously. Yeah, 
that's why I was really excited to get to these films and mm. see Timothy Dalton. I was kind of expecting Timothy Dalton to be my favorite Bond. Oh. Um, because of that, and and I'd heard that these films are a bit darker and more edgy and self-aware well, mm. than... The next one is. I think that um, I've read conflicting things about the Living Daylight screenplay. I've re- I read uh, things that said that it was originally written for Roger Moore, um, and then obviously he wasn't going to be coming back. He was already 57 in the last one. I think we all commented on how old he looked. Um, and then yeah. I've seen other reports that said, oh, no, it wasn't written for him. They just kind of wrote it, and then Timothy Dalton starred in it. But I think it probably suffers from, after you come off of Roger Moore, who'd been doing it for, what, like 13, 14 years even if you don't write the film Jeez. for him, he, you know, after that lot length of time, what a Bond film is to its DNA is kind of set there. So this feels mm. more akin to some of that Roger Moore stuff than um, what we'll get next time with License to Kill, which is something quite different. Well, I, I, I was very surprised at how not remotely dark it was. It felt dark in the 1987 sense of the word. The, the mm. same way that, like, Return of the Living Dead is a, a gritty dark reinterpretation of the George Romero films hmm. and it's you know just fucking 80s nonsense slapstick well, not I to uh, there's a lot less of <laughs> not that to I get mean, too ahead of myself I think the the parts where Timothy Dalton doesn't succeed in his performance are the bits where they give him one liners to do and he just hmm. he just can't do them like Roger Moore or Sean Connery could they'll scare the living daylights out of him yeah <laughs> like um <laughs> Should we talk about the opening scene? Quite important in establishing a new Bond. I was getting all ready. This is my notes here. I was getting all ready to complain about there being yet another dumb opening training sequence. Because I'm fucking sick of this shit. (laughs) Training sequence? Where it's like... Yeah, they're doing a fake break-in and the uh, SAS are going to stop them. But it's it's a training exercise. Yeah, I was getting all ready to complain about it. Like, for fuck's sake. Oh, right. They always open with this. It's always like, oh, they've killed Bond. Not really, just training. Mm. Uh, And then the training sequence is, like, attacked by real (laughs) bad guys. Uh, And I wrote, this is cool. (laughs) Oh, there we go. I really liked that as an idea for an opening to Mm. one of these films. It felt very self-aware. Yeah playing with uh, audience expectations. Mm. I think it's a good opening scene. It's it's uh, Bond, it's Bond and um, a couple of other agents parachuting down onto the Rock of Gibraltar and then there's a little car chase and stuff and I, one of the more refreshing things is that when you see like you, you actually see Timothy Dalton <laughs> clinging to the top of a, you know van that's you know careening down a a road or whatever that's quite refreshing yeah it was like what is this why is bond moving and jumping and running what's going on <laughs> as opposed to yeah sitting down and standing still and then being replaced by a much younger thinner man whenever he needs to run and i think that 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 is the obvious difference isn't it and and it does mean that they can go for it a little bit more in this film, mm. in terms of action and stunts and stuff, and getting up close and personal with Bond, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely a, a change for the better. Mm. I um, I think this is probably my second favorite Bond opening after that one with the aeroplane where they're flying out of the sky. Ah, oh, Moonraker, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I might be forgetting something, I don't know. I like that one with the Union Jack parachute. Ugh. No. <laughs> oh, that no, was don't. great. Uh, but no, th- this is a good one, and um, he's obviously fighting the guy in the jeep and stuff. He parachutes, uh, and then and then I think we get an example of the stuff that he can't do very well when he lands on the yacht of that scantily clad lady, and uh, she offers him champagne, and he's on about going back to work, and then he says, "Make it an hour," and then she offers him the champagne, and he says, "Make it two. Yeah, he doesn't. He just doesn't sell it, does he? <laughs> no. Plus, like up until that point, like my first note was this new Bond is very moody, um, and it, like he is. It is like they're deliberately playing it serious, and like he's really mm. like intense. And so that's the first moment where we go, okay, it's still good old Bond. Um, mm. And yeah, he doesn't quite sell it. I mean, it doesn't help that it's literally it's the woman going. Yeah, I mean, everyone here's so boring. I just wish like someone just <laughs> fell on out of the sky, like a, a really sexy hunky man. I mean, yeah. it's not a best setup, is it? <laughs> no. I mean, I, I I don't want to bring the mood down, but my 
my second note is car action scene has gone on too long. I'm bored already. How can it go so... on for too long? It's only like five minutes. It's four minutes too long. Alan, did you did you not get bored with that? I know you struggle with action. I was all right with this film in general in terms of the action and stuff like that, but I thought it was dynamic and exciting. I, I well, I don't know if it was particularly more exciting, but you know what was exciting when when that monkey is watching <laughs> and then it reacts. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> <laughs> they throw one on him uh, at one point on Bond. A That's my favourite bit in the film. That monkey. It's because Gibraltar's famous for having monkeys. Mm. Uh, so okay, yeah, we've we've established this new man is now a, a Bond. Uh, he's taken up the code name. Uh, he's 007. and that's the end of this opening sequence, isn't it? So yes. what happens next? Do we are we do we have an M scene? No, we have an opening title sequence, Alan, that you, yes. never, you never seem to appreciate. <laughs> what did you the guys big, think of the song part this time? Oh, I love the Living Daylights. The Living Daylights. It's one of the best Bond themes of all time. I knew you'd love it. I don't know how it goes. I can't remember it. Yeah, you like the shitty 80s songs, don't you? Oh, my name's Alan. Can't wait for Billie Eilish. <laughs> Modern music. I love, I love <laughs> that Billie Eilish. No, Billie Eilish is good. I think he's really... Uh, yeah, I really like hot, Eilish. hot talent. Wait. Genuinely, I'm not even joking. I'm really excited for yeah. Billie Eilish's Bond theme. Just goes to show that the blood you bleed is just the blood you own. I've absolutely no idea what Billie Eilish is. I thought these opening credits were a bit shit. I was very oh, disappointed. Yeah. Mm. Because uh, last film was what was the theme to the last one? View to a kill. It's a oh. view to a kill. Which I was now so that was this amazing <laughs> blend of a fantastic song and really oh, cool trippy wonderful. opening stuff. I loved it. I was mesmerized. Mm. That's what I want from a James Bond opening sequence. View to a kill, best James Bond opening out of all of them so far mm. for me. And. I love the song The Living Daylight, so I was kind of expecting that again, and it just, it was really boring. It was a great song, but just like, oh, it's more naked silhouette than him. Mm. That's well, crucial, it's not even, like, it, Technicolor. It feels less like in, in The Living Daylights, they have some really cool, like, neon makeup and costumes and stuff, and yeah. it, here it is just. And the dancing is interesting. Mm. It's yeah. like choreographed well. Here it's a lot of sort of scantily clad women, like it's not even, for the most part, it's not even silhouettes. It's just like a, a woman with like water uh, ripples being projected on her, like holding a gun yeah. and, you know, repeat for 12 shots. It, it is quite disappointing. Yeah, I was really let down. I think they need to mix it up a bit. I think they're in danger of it just being stale and the same thing every time. So I think next film we need like a... A Blake Edwards style Pink Panther hand drawn animated scene where James Bond's like chasing a cartoon squirrel or something. It's a, it's a, it's a cat, but it's had a white strip of paint down its back. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, you will get something different in a couple of films' time. The next film is going to be the last one that has its main title designed by Maurice Binder, who is the one who's been um, doing all of them apart from, uh, from Russia with Love and Goldfinger. That was something else. Right, anyway, so let's get past the crap opening sequence. Mm. Uh, Alan, you asked if this was like an M scene. It isn't. We have uh, an extended sequence in Czechoslovakia where Bond and a colleague are trying to um, get... Oh, do we uh, go to that uh, straight away? Mm, yeah, yeah okay. we're trying to get the foreign agent straight out Straight into the, the action then, okay. Mm. Yes, uh, Kos- Koskov? Yes, Georgi Koskov, yeah. And then it ends up that the uh, the sniper that Bond has to kill and chooses not to is in fact the cellist who he takes a fancy to um, in the uh, orchestra. <laughs> uh, this whole chunk, like up, right up until Bond says, must have scared the living daylights out of her, that's all Fleming. Like the living daylights is actually a short story, it's not a full novel, and this like chunk is basically that short story. Hmm, interesting. 
Yeah, I, I quite like this as the setup for Bond, like mm. because you got him and the other guy who obviously don't really see eye to eye because the other guy does things by the book, and mm. James Bond is like, "Oh, I won't shoot a lady because she can't, she doesn't know how to handle a rifle," and then. <laughs> Uh, but it, but ultimately, it shows like he 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 recognizes something's wrong, something's going on here. It's a bit weird, and and reacts in the situation. I really like that. I like that about Bond that he mm. is clever and a good agent. I don't yeah. think we get that very often. Mm. <laughs> I, I agree. Actually, I did like that conceptually. Um, I did think it was handled in quite a dull way. Um, but yeah. that's, I guess maybe the film in general. I think the film in general. Um, yeah. <laughs> but one of the one of the first notes I've made though is the acting in this film is fucking terrible. Mm. I've I've never been struck by the quality of acting in a Bond film to this extent before. It was appalling. James Bond himself, Timothy Dalton, and Q are both fine. I'm giving them a free pass. <laughs> Everyone else. What's going on? Hmm. I will give you that Koskov is pretty bland as villains go. We don't really have a super villain here, do we? That's the problem. We don't have like a proper Bond villain. He's mm. just a sort of like a chancer trying to get trying to play was, both sides. Was that on purpose? Following on from Christopher Walken, so you was can't it follow a sense from of let's bring it back down to? Uh, Earth a bit, or yeah, I think so because it is. You have Ke- uh, Koskov, who is uh, yeah, sort of a um, double crosser. But then you also have uh, oh god, what's his name? Joe Don Baker playing a, an American military aficionado called Brad Whitaker, who Bond has his sort of final showdown with, which feels odd because he mm. feels more like a money man. But is it is kind of like a pair of main villains in this one, but. I agree with Alan that it just neither of them feel like full-on supervillains. It's like I mean that their whole plot is really complicated and it's to do with like selling opium and then arms and all this stuff. It's it's quite hard to follow actually. Every time I hear Bradley Whitaker, I just think, oh, he's that actor, isn't he? And then I realise that I'm thinking about. No, I'm thinking of Richard Jenkins. That's the weird thing about it. You think it'd be Bradley Bradley Whitford, but it's Richard Jenkins. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, um uh what about John Reese Davis? Oh yeah, he's in here Everyone as well. He's our new General Gogol, if you remember General Gogol from the last uh, few films. Not really. No. Nope. Okay, well, he was the <laughs> I don't really remember him from this film, I'll be honest. We were meant to record this last week and it's already like evaporated <laughs> well, from my General, memory. General Gogol isn't well, he he has a cameo at the end of this film, but he's been sort of like the Russian um, counterpart to M for much of the Roger yeah. Moore films. Um, you'd probably recognise him if you saw him. He's like got a bald head. Um, but yeah, anyway, he was supposed to be the John Reese davis character in this, which would have made sense because Bond has to eventually go and fake assassinate him and it's all about this. But the, um, the actor was too old or something, so they couldn't get the insurance for him. So they had to write in like, oh, he retired as the head of the KGB and it's this new guy now. Well, I think there's been enough fake assassinations and nonsense like that in this franchise already, hasn't there? So that's probably for the best. But you know, you know, John Reese Davis. I always feel like in a in a slightly different world, just a slight change somewhere, he could have been a borderline national treasure. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he could, oh, he yeah, could have been yeah, a great yeah, like one of the known like. I mean, I guess he got his he got his big score, didn't he? he got Lord of the Rings, but. Didn't become an Ian McKellen. Oh, I know completely what you mean, though. I always kind of have it in my head that he's um, done something more significant that I'm forgetting about, yeah. I think he's probably an arsehole. He comes across as a bit of an arsehole. I don't know if that's just the character oh, he plays. Did you not see him when he was on Question Time? No, no. Oh, God. Not recently? Um, l- Last year, I think, yeah. And he's, like, quite... um, Yeah, he just... Full on Tory. Oh, oh yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh, he ended yeah, up yeah. just okay, like yeah. really <laughs> barking at um, Caroline Lucas of the Green Party. Just, he, he, I think he actually said, "Oh, will you shut up, woman?" and just like shouted oh, <laughs> for a good couple of minutes because she was saying some. I'm sure he came across a lot better than Lawrence Fox, though, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> Not by much. He, I mean, Lawrence Fox didn't have sort of like, oh well, he is he is an old man, so we can't really yeah. sort of yeah expect anything. Well, also. Else. Lawrence Fox kind of has who going for like jo- Jonathan <laughs> Reese. What's his name? Jonathan Reese Davis. <laughs> John Reese Davis. At least he's known for doing stuff. 
mm. other than being a knobhead on question time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, if we just quickly talk about cast, uh, Art Malik turns up. Now, there was mm. there was a period in the late 80s, sort of to mid-90s, where any terrorist you want, Art Malik, any, could be Libyan, Afghan, Moroccan, whatever you want, Art Malik can play any generic <laughs> terrorist sort of character. <laughs> uh, so in this one, he's playing one of the good old... Uh, Good old Afghan rebels that we we love so much, um, <laughs> because at the time they were still fighting the Russians. Well, uh, I was going to ask. But he actually yeah, sort of that... becomes a good guy, didn't he? Well, I was going to ask. How... Well, I think he's always a good guy through it. He's a bit mysterious at first, but the Afghan rebels, the Mujahideen, are sort of the Bond's allies in this one, and um, oh, I yeah. wondered how you guys felt about that. Oh, I'm all for it. Oh, okay. That was standard in the in the eighties. We dealt with this in one of the Rambo films where. Rambo yeah. won the Cold War, I think. Uh, Rambo three, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I he's, when I was, um, he's there with Bond the, with video the cassettes, circa two thousand and one. Um, this one became uh, hard to get for a good few months, uh, <laughs> and so there was a gaping hole in my collection for a good long while because none of the stores were stocking this. And I've never found official confirmation of it, but I'm fairly certain it's because people might not have liked seeing James Bond team up with the Taliban. <laughs> I, I I mean, I'm not quite... Um, we may as well deal with this now. Was his character, Art Malik's character, he was definitely like had a British accent, wasn't he? He wasn't like even... Because at first I thought, oh, maybe he's like, oh, he's going to be a British agent who's working undercover there. And he's like, hey, Bond, don't worry, we got you back. And then mm. it wasn't. But then he was like, oh, I was educated at Oxford or whatever. Yeah. What was, did we... I mean, what's that about? Does that happen um, a lot? The Mujahideen go off to Oxford. Well, no, he just um, he studied at Oxford, so that explains his English accent. And now he's the leader of Does this uh, gang of rebels, uh, doing their opium deals and stuff, trading arms with the Soviets. Um, while we're talking about the cast, then should we talk about the Bond girl? This is one of the few rare instances of a Bond girl sort of being present throughout pretty much the entirety mm. of the story, apart from the lady on the boat at the start of the film. Bond doesn't sleep with anyone else no apart shagging. from her. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a, was that a controversial decision in 80s? We're going to have AIDS for that. Oh, of course. A- AIDS-Z7 it was uh, when this was made. Mm. Was that actually... Yep. Oh, fair enough. Yep, Bond was going to be a one-woman man now. That's an interesting social phenomenon. Bond never uses a condom, then. <laughs> no, 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 no. Only with an open hand. He'd rather abstain than just use a condom. <laughs> <laughs> Very strange, I, uh, man. I, I appreciate but I, that. I, I, I think going for that does work with Timothy Dalton because, like we talked about with the opening sequence, he doesn't come across as a Lothario like uh, Roger yeah. Moore and Sean. Yeah, Connery you can't did. believe that it actually get the ladies. Mm. Mm. You've got, you've really got to take a woman who's like trapped in the Eastern Bloc and not allowed any possessions or any money or anything, <laughs> and then take her to the fair. You really got to like go all out to make. Timothy Dalton looked like a good prospect. <laughs> but what did you think about the Bond girl in this one? Um, Barely remember. She, I mean, she doesn't come across as an amazing actor. If you'd said to me, isn't it interesting how there was no Bond girl in this film? <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, I hadn't even noticed, yeah. I think they I think to- if I, uh, I think if, you, if you're going to put Right, we're going to have one main Bond girl all the way through, and she's going to be like with Bond all the way through. You, she needs to be not necessarily as equal, but like she needs to be a bit kick-ass, which I guess they have yeah. done since. But like, he, she mm. needs to have some spunk about her, and and, and, um, and actually, yeah, sort of be able to go toe to toe with him and, and kind of look after herself as well. And she is not that. She is very much kind of like, I mean, the whole the whole concept of the plot is that this other guy was just taking advantage of her and get it. Mm. He's going to kill her to get out of this thing. <laughs> um, and she sort of immediately falls in love with someone else as soon as she meets him. So, you know, she's obviously quite flighty. Did she ever do anything else? I don't, I don't recognise her. Um, I can't tell you anything else that she's been in. Um, oh my no. gosh. I'm looking up her... Um, I'm looking at her IMDb. Here's some titles. Uh, Immortal Sins. Um, Is that a Stephen King adaptation? Tropical Heat, Savage Hearts, uh, ooh, the Red Shoe Diaries episode, <laughs> Double Obsession, <laughs> Tomcat, Dangerous Desires. She's in softcore porno. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it looks like in the 90s she was just doing uh, like crap softcore porn. Interesting. Oh, she was in an episode of Tales from the Crypt as well, so called Well Cooked Hams. <laughs> oh my god. I fear a Simpsons reference coming up. <laughs> well steamed hams. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think she, uh, I, you know, they, they go for a sort of a bit of a cow-eyed sort of uh, waif, I guess. I, um, I like her <laughs> looks. She's one the, probably one of my top Bond girls on the attractiveness scale for my taste. Oh, so really? Far. I just think oh, she always yeah, looks a bit vacant. She, she I'm all right I guess you that. like that, though, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I like the, the only bit with her that I really love is when she's uh, towards the end where Bond's getting that plane going and she's just driving up next to the window waving at him saying James James and then he sees her and he's like trying to like sort of sign to her to go around the back and she just doesn't get it and then he gets pissed <laughs> off and just mouths for fuck's sake and just walks away yeah I think we're supposed to be sell- we're supposed to be um buying the idea that they're actually fall- that bond is actually falling in love with this one I never really get that. I don't that. know about that, because throughout the entire thing, he's lying to her mm. um, and manipulating her for, for his own purposes. So I never quite well, got you that think, you think, kind of love. You think Bond wouldn't lie to a woman just because he's fallen in love with her? No, but I don't think we're supposed to really... Fr- well, I don't know. I think they do grow close, you know. they. But no, he's like, whenever he's actually do- making a move, he's doing it for Queen and Country, I think. I don't know if he really cares. Hmm. I don't know, I didn't buy it. When are, when are we going to talk about the milkman? Oh, well, I do want to talk about that sequence, because this comes after they've got Koskov over to the UK, and they've got like a bit of a safe house, and Bond and M and all the others are, are, are there, and then this assassin comes and uh, takes the place of the local milkman. Um, what's your note, Sol? <laughs> My note is that right, he's listening to music on a Walkman. That's like his gimmick, his character. That's his sole bit of characterization. Ah, oh, right. Oh, you're talking music. about the assassin. I thought you were talking about the actual milkman who he kills. No, no, no. Steal his milk. And now the assassin is like, I cannot act. I cannot be a Russian assassin because I listen to Walkman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but hello, I have it, milk. It's, but it's very noticeable that the music he appears to be listening to on that Walkman is like some James Bond score. <laughs> it's it's like a Bond theme that he's listening yeah, to. He's got so the what's Bond, that about? He's got the Bond theme compilation cassette. Yeah. It's a song by the Persuaders. Weird. Where has everybody gone? Oh, sorry, The Pretenders. Oh, that's very different. <laughs> um, and then, of course, he, he has all these special music powers, like he can strangle you with the, the headphones. Mm. Or he can... Exploding milk bottles. Yeah, that, well, that's his milk power, milkman powers. <laughs> <laughs> he always delivers. How do you feel about this um, whole sequence? Because, uh, like I say, Koskov is at the um, the safe house. M is there, the Ministry of Defense. The uh, James Bond is there. And then before the action starts, we see M, Bond, and the Minister all leaving. And then the uh, Milkman assassin is just having a fight with a random butler in the kitchen. <laughs> um, and he throws flour in his face. <laughs> and then the milk... The, the fake milkman receiving flour in his face like winces in pain and like backs away from it. Hey, have you ever had flour, flour in the face? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Have yeah. you? All right. Well, let's do a test. We'll throw flour in your face and see how much you react. We'll film it for the Patreon. I remember when Alan's nose started bleeding after he snorted that angel <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, But I just want to talk about that sequence because... I understand that it's here because Koskov has to be kidnapped, and if Bond was there, Bond would have to effectively fail at protecting him, so they just would rather get him out of the way. But I do find it that my uh, engagement with the sequence is perhaps lesser because there's no character that mm. I really know who's mm. in yeah. danger. 
Yeah, I, I think in theory, there's a lot that I would like about this whole sequence were it done a bit differently. But again, I just kind of found it very uninteresting. But mm. it's one of the few bits I've made notes about, so I guess it was doing. I must admit, I, I hadn't quite grasped what was going on because when it when they first save Korsakov, whatever his name is, and like Bond, obviously at some point works out, oh, he was fake defecting. Mm. And I was like, "What does like? I, do you know what I mean? I just hadn't quite figured it out." So when the milkman cometh and <laughs> and um, sort of took him away, I thought, "Oh, he's actually kidnapping him. They're going to take him back." And then at kind of some point, twigged that that's not what was happening, and they were faking his uh, taking him back. And but mm. for whatever reason, it hadn't been clear enough that I'd picked up on exactly what was happening. Mm. But I, I don't know if I even... I, I think I might have liked that, because it actually made it feel, feel like, oh, right, okay, I worked out what's going on. And it was only like when Bond was dealing with the lady and, and kind of realised that he was sort of telling her one thing, but not the truth. And that was when it twigged for me, like, oh, he knows what's going on really, but he's telling her. And, uh, so mm. I think I, I like that, I guess, because it felt less simple than a normal Bond film, but... Perhaps it was supposed to be clearer. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, I think they they are make, trying to make it more complicated here. They are going for a bit of like a tangled, you know, Cold War web of uh, villainy instead of just oh, a rich industrialist wants to do X for money. Yeah, but but I I have a question, which is, since when do milkmen bring the milk inside? Uh, well, like? especially in a, a high security compound <laughs> like government base, <laughs> hand the milk over to the guy on the door, surely, or maybe he says, "All right, drive it up to the door, and the butler will come out and get it." Well, that's what yeah. he was doing. Uh, he did go to the kitchen and put it in the kitchen for the chef, and then he's like, "All right, I'm off now." Yeah, exactly. He goes inside the kitchen. If I was the security about? guy on the gate, I would definitely just check the driver and not the van. I would yeah. not check what was going on in his van. Just go, yeah, drive up there. It's fine. It's probably fine. <laughs> could have a bomb on there or something. Doesn't matter. Mm. Mm, very dodgy. Mm. There was a bit in this. Um, bit. He has explosive milk bottles as well. We we need to touch on that. <laughs> that I like that, but again, that felt like a weird Roger Moore. <laughs> it didn't really feel it like at home with everything else in this film. Yeah. It could have at least like exploded in a big sort of white liquid thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the, the just... guys are just stood there covered in milk. And then they get <laughs> after it blows. They get up. no, it plasters them to the wall. It's like sticky <laughs> <laughs> something like a superhero. Um, there's one bit in this just before that where they've got Koskov. What's the guy's name? I've forgotten it already. Koskov. Yeah, that's right. So they've got Koskov, and they at this point they all think, well, Bond's suspicion, but everyone else thinks he's properly defected. And Bond comes in with like a Fortnum and Mason hamper or whatever it is. <laughs> and, and M is like, good lord, this costs 400 guineas and all that. <laughs> but there's a bit where Timothy Dalton's Bond goes, uh, the foie gras is particularly excellent or something mm. like that. Is that a diss on Roger Moore? Because I... <laughs> I think Roger Moore was against foie gras or something, wasn't he? Oh. Was that was that a little like shades to Moore? You know what? That, that's the point, actually. I don't know if Roger Moore was so anti foie gras at this time in <laughs> the history. Time. Maybe it was because this is where it started. They replaced him with Timothy Dalton, and then like, oh, he likes foie gras, right? I hate it, but I love milk. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Bond has been a cigar smoker for uh, the Roger Moore era, and now here with Timothy Dalton, he's uh, finally smoking cigarettes again. Mm. Oh. I bet. Yeah. I bet he don't do that anymore. Oh, no. Oh, but imagine Daniel Craig while he smokes a cigar, doesn't he? Um, I can't think it... Uh, Pierce Brosnan definitely does uh, in a film. I can't remember about Daniel Craig. There is something about smoking a cigar that really makes you look like a twat. <laughs> I think it's just a cultural association. I used to work opposite a guy who, for whatever reason, he was like trying to give up smoking. So that had somehow led to him not smoking cigarettes anymore, but he still had a cigar several times a day. <laughs> and he'd go outside and smoke it, and he'd come back and he fucking stank. stank. It was just dis- like, honestly, it was fucking horrible. Oh, yeah, they, they really but- do stink. Well, with cigars, you don't inhale, um, so that's why they're not as bad as cigarettes. That might be why he was trying to mm. cut down. Yeah, I don't know if it's the idea, but fuck me. Like, just 
Take some Febreze out with you. you (laughs) Hmm. Anyway, so the story goes on, and um, we have quite a lot of Bond uh, hanging around in Q branch in um, in this one. We get a lot of good gadgets. I think I like the couch that swallows the uh, assistant. It it needed a like a belch. (laughs) 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 Now I think Dalton doesn't handle comedy well, does he? I think that seems to be. But we've, I mean, we've in Hot Fuzzy seems. Anyway, well, here he just doesn't do it. It's all Q and all. Well, but maybe he just struggles because he knew how weak it was, and <laughs> he just didn't feel comfortable doing such bad jokes. Not to jump too far ahead with you, Sol, but I think Pierce Brosnan handled all that stuff very well. He had that right balance of all that. Mm. Um, from my memory of Saved by the Bell. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you shouldn't be living here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can't! I can't wait to hear Brosnan's unique voice, kind of <laughs> out of his. I mean, this is kind. Of, what am I doing? That's uh, kind of a Marlon Brando. <laughs> they pitch Q in these Dalton ones as more of a like an eccentric uncle as well. Like I think in some of the earlier yeah. ones, he's very much a stuffy sort of like. Oh, he's just, just well, we know why attention. that ch- he had a he had a vital moment of change when he was raped by a load of <laughs> women in a hot air balloon. <laughs> And it changed him. It changed him as a person. Yeah, and now he's like Willy Wonka. It's it's great. <laughs> we have a new Money Penny here as well. Did you uh, pick up her line about her Barry Manilow records? That, that, it's a good topical reference, I thought, because <laughs> young people like the Barry Manilow records, don't they? And she's a young person. <laughs> How old is she? She's very she she's far too young to be Money Penny. Money yeah. Penny's sixty years old. That's what. Has James Bond come round to the Beatles yet? Canonically? <laughs> no, never. Never. He still hates He's him. a Rolling Stones man. <laughs> anyway, keeping us on topic, uh, Bond heads back, back to uh, Czechoslovakia now, and we have a extended sequence of him there uh, trying to get to the cellist, find out more information. Um, she's taken away, he has the cello. Um, when's your guy's next notes before the uh, the car chase? I think it's around this point that I made a note that I um I felt like the film was winding up, uh, winding down, and I needed the toilet, so I just paused it, and then I saw that there like I was it was an hour in and there was an hour to go. I can't believe it. I, so genu- I so, thought there was about <laughs> ten minutes left. So my here's an exact note that I've written down: there can't be fifty minutes left in this film. It's basically over. <laughs> so I yeah. obviously had the same. I, I genuinely, I couldn't believe it. Like it's before any and of I the much Afghanistan. I stopped making stuff, notes after that point. I was furious. <laughs> um, my last note after that, well, I made two more notes. One is Jersey Bondov. When was that? Jersey what? Bondov. Someone gets arrested or something, and they look at his driving license. Oh, that's it. It's James Bond's undercover name, isn't it? No, they. Oh. Well, they've got him fake. Comed or whatever, yeah, and they're yeah, getting yeah, him on the plane as if he's ill. His fake ID is called Jersey Bondov. <laughs> I've never noticed that. <laughs> but how could you check out? Can we talk about the car chase? Because the car chase is pretty great, I think. Which one? The the one with the Aston Martin and all the gadgets. It has a laser. Oh right, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call it great. It was. It was the same old shit I've seen in every Bond movie so far, except the laser was, I guess, a better special effect than a lot of them have been privy to. I love all the stuff uh, on the ice where the skis come out of the side of the um, the car. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> okay. And then, they, then, then they go sliding down on the cello. I bet the cello case. Oh, I bet you like that song. <laughs> that was bullshit. I hated it. That was the customs people are just like, oh. Someone coming on a cello. Should we stop them? No, just let them go. <laughs> just, just let them pass. Oh no, they're getting away at five miles an hour. But that's yeah. But they had a they had a blue passport. So don't you understand what the blue passport means? It means I'm British. Get out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> what do they do if someone just like runs past their checkpoint? <laughs> well, they. If they're on a cello, <laughs> I just you just think I'm not getting involved. This is this is out of my pay grade. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bond's not wrong. They don't actually have anything to declare except for the cello. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a bit. I don't know. It's, it's it's like when I used to work in a shop way back when, and occasionally someone would come in and try and steal the the booze, and and you'd uh, 
you're instructed never chase after them. It's just not worth it. Yeah. And the manager did occasionally, but he was a big fat lad and he you know, <laughs> he'd get, you know, two meters out the door and then he'd be panting like <laughs> and it was always very sad. In the worst He had a um uh, he had a toe for a thumb. What? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> he had a toe for a thumb, like a Bond villain. Like <laughs> Personality trait. Thumb he was like born with four thumbs on one hand, or some, or his thumb was wrong, or something. So they like took his toe off and put it on his hand. Oh. <laughs> uh... <laughs> they get the pass- <laughs> they get their uh, passports out and stuff, though. Like I think you're giving these customs guys a hard time. I... Well, they have one passport yeah. <laughs> that they don't look at, but it's a British mm-hmm. one. That's the important thing. They have a British passport. You just that you use your passport to bat away foreigners. <laughs> I mean, it worked for me when I was going uh, across the land border from Turkey into Georgia once many years ago. Uh, well, helped yeah. have a British passport in that situation. Yeah. What were you doing there? Yeah. What are you up to, Carmen? <laughs> <laughs> no reason not in your life that you would have been there. Well, no, no, I was because uh, um, I was traveling around there. I've never told you this. You've never been traveling around Turkey and Georgia. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Literally have. No, you haven't. I oh, know I have. You've been to. You go to Paris for work, no, 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 <laughs> and then no, like no. Latvia for <laughs> pleasure. No, this was years ago when I was with the other guy. We backpacked around. Uh, Turkey you were, you did not go backpacking Backpack. around Turkey and Georgia. You fucking liar! Why are you making this up, Calvin? And why would we have never heard about this before? <laughs> I swear to you, we, we did. I did. I did all these things. I, I, I. Oh my god, we. Uh, uh, I had to shit in a hole. They don't have proper toilets in some places. <laughs> That's why I can't believe you did it. <laughs> uh, what are your next notes? Because this is where things get quite complex. I think because they introduce this Brad Whitaker character, um, who's this American? I've made one more note. Oh, oh okay. do, you, do you want to know? Do you want to know what it is? Yep. This is my last note. Oh, okay, go on. Might be the worst one. Oh, oh wow! But what oh, is he talking it about? Start off so well for you as well. Does he mean the film or something? Yeah. The car, specific? the girl, mm. the Bond. So um, well, it, they go to the fairground. Did you not they enjoy go to the that? opera and the fair? Yeah, the the fairground. Um, they go on the same oh, so, Ferris so wheel so that Orson Welles did in uh, the Third Man. Yeah. Well, are there any others? She at one point he just leaves her in a hotel room for three days. <laughs> oh, he goes. He goes. Oh, he goes and does a whole thing where he pretends to kill John Reese Davis. He has to do that whole thing. Yeah. And then he comes back and she's like, "Where the bloody hell have you been? Been stuck in this <laughs> sodden hotel room, mm. playing a cello. Mm. That cello sounds great with a bullet hole in it. I think that would affect the <laughs> acoustics somehow, wouldn't you? But apparently not." Did you not enjoy Timothy Dalton jumping over that fence and terrifying that mother and a young mullet-haired son? <laughs> I don't remember that. What? I, I think I tuned out at this point. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I mean, I, to be honest, I'm not surprised. I uh, The story is quite hard to follow. I mean, even to this day, and I've seen it dozens of times, I'm still not quite sure I can recite it from memory without some kind of notes. Um, yeah. I, I, I kind of liked this one in terms of the story it was weaving um mm. i will say though it, that ended when they left austria or whatever the whole afghan thing was an add on that i didn't need yeah um, just felt like a separate separate issue yeah yeah no i i do agree and i think there's some good action on this airbase uh but uh, yeah th- there's no main villain he's fighting against it's... yeah it is really lacking a villain yeah definitely the and it's lacking, clear. it's lacking a villain and a plot, like a villain plot. Like yeah. all he's doing is trying to make a bit of cash off of the heroin, basically. I mm. I just found I found the action so dull in this film as well. I mean, I, I don't think we've really got to a Bond film where I don't know. Maybe it's just old films just don't really. There's a really big action set piece on the plane uh, mm. where him and you know the very Aryan milkman. Are fighting and dropping heroin across the mountains of Pakistan by the looks of it. Uh, and there's a, you know, they're hanging out the back of the plane, basically. Yeah, on the net, yeah. 
And it looks, seems to me, that's some stuntmen hanging out the back of a plane. It looks very oh, yep. legit. Uh, really lovely. Like I like that sort of stuff. I like old school, yeah, you know like, what? proper it's weird, stunts when they really went for it back in the day. Which mm, they don't do anymore. Because when Tom Cruise did that same exact thing, more or less, in Mission Impossible, whatever the fuck it was, I thought it was pretty cool. But here I was just bored. <laughs> I just didn't care. And what's the difference? I don't get it. Because it is a guy hanging off an aeroplane. It's the same thing. Well, you can definitely film it a lot more dynamically these days. Yeah. You know, more cameras. That's it. I just, I, I, the action so rarely interests me in any of these films so far. There, there have been exceptions. Obviously, I love that aeroplane opening where it was just people fighting, free-falling out of an aeroplane. That was fantastic. Mm. Um, I definitely have enjoyed one or two little chase sequences in previous films, but... For the most part, I just find the action so dull in these movies, and and I don't know what it is. But then, like I say, I, I kind of am struggling to think of action movies that I really respond to from before, like the nineties. Hmm. I mean, I love Die Hard, but I don't think I love Die Hard because of the action. I think I like the the story, the character, and the character yeah. dynamics, and interactions, and you know, it's. It's like a fun game being played between them, rather than just, oh, you know, shoot, shoot, bang. Well, I mean, I d- definitely, this is a, a bit more recent, I guess, but digital digital editing rather than actually chopping up bits of film is mm. is makes means it's a lot easier to do quick cuts and flashy mm. editing and stuff. I don't know. I think you're being a bit too harsh on the action here. I I mean, I think if you're not engaged with it, then maybe you're just not engaged with the story, which I, I can't blame you for. But stunt-wise, I mean, yeah. you, you said it's like, you know, it's the same thing. I mean, I would say that this is even more impressive. It's like two guys hanging onto a net having a fight. It's not just hanging onto yeah. the plane. And you know what? Thinking about it, I fucking loved it when like Buster Keaton would <laughs> chuck a train track about or a house would go on him or... Yeah. Um, Harold Lloyd would hang off a clock or something. So I guess I did like old action sequences. It's just, yeah, it's how engagingly they're crafted and what they're doing with it, I suppose. And especially at this point, if you're, you know, two hours in and you're not really terribly engaged with it, then, yeah. you know, I, yeah, I can't blame you for uh, not being so enthusiastic. This plane sequence, though, um, you know, after they all all said and done and then... Uh, He's put this silly woman in charge of the plane, and she's just there's I mean, there's a cliff about 30 yards away, and she's just like, Oh, is everything going all right back there? <laughs> so he yeah. comes and saves her from that. And then, um, and then they have to get in the plane's gonna crash into the mountains, and there's nowhere to land, so they get into the jeep to jump out. And I that this was very anticlimactic. I thought this was going to be a big like the jeep falls out and some parachutes come off it and all this mm. and it basically just they wait until the plane is about 5 feet off the ground and then yeah. drop out which i don't think like i think i don't really think that's plausible <laughs> and then the plane still manages to get like hundreds of yards away from before it crashes and it just sort of lands and drives yeah turns mm. it over starts first time yeah which just seems it just it just it was very anticlimactic because I thought it was going to be like this big finish. Yeah, no, I mean the the, the climax really is them blowing up that bridge uh, to save yeah. the Afghan rebels from the Soviets. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, it it doesn't really compare to some of the previous ones. Then what happens? Oh, well, actually, saying that, the real climax is Bond going to kill that Brad Whitaker guy, and then he's got all these gadgets and stuff, oh, and yeah, his military toys. Yeah, is he killed by his own weapons, ultimately? Probably? I can't really remember now. Well, no, Bond um, has that little explosive oh, keychain, yeah. which he puts on the back of, I think it's a bust of Napoleon, uh, and then he blows it up, and the Napoleon statue knocks yeah. him on the head. <laughs> It's a good job Q gave him that gadget earlier and explained to us all how it worked. I'm surprised, actually, at how um, neither of you two have been terribly enthusiastic about this. To be honest, I was expecting Saul to maybe quite like this one. I was interested to know what you were expecting me to make of it. <laughs> I thought you'd be happier that it was a bit more sort of grounded. I thought you might have been a bit more engaged in the story. I don't know if it was more grounded. Hmm. And to be honest, I don't. It, I don't need it to be more grounded. Like I, I'm, I'd like it to be silly and wacky. If that was, mm. it, it just needs to pick a lane. It's, it's, it's this awkward like trying to be serious one minute and then 
the next minute we're watching a pigeon sigh and a milk <laughs> like chucking bagels at someone <laughs> or like whatever it is it's just that's what i don't like with it if it if the whole thing was just like peewee herman becomes a spy then i'd love it yeah baby if the whole thing Groovy. was like a serious <laughs> yeah yeah. I, I mean, to be honest, I thought you were just going to say that Timothy Dalton was the best Bond to annoy me, but... Well, yeah. <laughs> you don't even sound that enthusiastic about him. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I kind of... Uh, he was just there, wasn't he? I mean, I like mm. Timothy Dalton, I do, but he, I don't know, he, he barely had a presence in the film. Mm. But then the film barely has a presence full stop so i mean p- personally i think that i would have preferred if with them going trying to take perhaps a new direction with a new actor i wish that they'd have just sort of shaken up the the usual creative team like this is the same yeah. people who have brought us the last 3 in a row more or less and i i feel like they should have brought in a different director or spice up the writing do something it, it it almost started off at the beginning. I I almost questioned if this was kind of like a reboot because mm. it felt as much of a reboot initially in those first few scenes as I imagine Casino Royale is. Having never watched it, I, mm. but but then um, I don't know. As I suppose as it progresses, it becomes a bit more blatantly tied into um, mm. past films, you know, with. Uh, What's his name coming back as Q and, mm. and oh yeah, like that. there's but a lot it, of recurring actors. M's still the same as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, it initially I kind of thought, oh, this is like a brand new take on it, and mm. where's the line between sequel and so on? But then it just sort of fell back into, oh, they're just doing the same shit now. Mm. And I felt like Timothy Dalton just seemed confused in it, like he didn't really know what he was meant to be doing. Mm. Yeah, I mean that Roger Moore's first one was a bit like that, wasn't it? Yeah, well, this is. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what the next one's like and how it develops. Because hmm. I do like Timothy Dalton, and I think he's probably the best actor that the franchise has had so far hmm. in that role. Um, hmm. But no, I probably take Roger Moore over him as as Bond hmm. and Sean Connery. <laughs> Maybe even George Lazenby. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe in this first one, yeah, maybe mm. it was. It was a. It was a bad film. Mm. It felt pretty uh, average to me. I will say I've given it a higher rating than most of the Roger Moore ones, as far as I can tell, oh. if my memory serves correctly. But I don't like most of those. This felt a bit more like a film. Um, <laughs> I think it's still lacking in in lots of areas. But I think I would prefer this type of bond to the to the more bond if they oh, could just okay. sort of hone it a bit, See, make it work. Like you say, I think you need to bring in a new team, and if you're gonna reboot, reboot. Hmm. I think I have the exact opposite opinion, Alan, because I I just this just felt like diminishing returns, just more of the same shit, just slowly dying. <laughs> I don't care. And this is like what the fifteenth one of these films, and I'm just sick of it. And there's nothing about this one that interests me above the others. I don't know. I hated it. I, I, mean, I, I hated this film. Oh my god. Wow. Fucking despised it. This is the worst one that I've seen. I hate it. Wow. Wow. I, I, I thought for a while, I thought, Jesus. is it as bad as Thunderball? And yeah, I think it is. I think it's worse than Thunderball. Oh my. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I must say, this one has a good reputation amongst Bond fans, uh, and I yeah. used to be of that persuasion. I used to much prefer it to the next one, but actually, re- when I revisited them um, in close capacity, um, I-, I think I uh, this is the lesser of the two. I think the next one gives B- Dalton more of an identity and feels like mm. a bigger shake-up um, to suit him, but we'll be talking about well, that in a few weeks. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the next one kind of does what I wanted this one to do. Because mm. I am just disappointed. I kind of thought, yeah, I might like this one, but... I, mean, yeah, I don't know. I guess Timothy Dalton is generally regarded to be a weaker period in the franchise, isn't it? So I suppose it's mm. not that surprising if mm. 
I'm not hugely into it, but well, shall we give ratings while we're talking about uh, that? Um, yeah, let's put, put, put some put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. I'll go first. Um, it's a seven from me, which is quite low, really, when I consider the ratings that I've given yeah. a lot of the other Bond films. But this one has never been one of my favorites. I, I don't think it ever will be. I don't really gel with Timothy Dalton as well as I do with a lot of the other Bonds. I think he's a good enough actor. Um, and I think I actually think that the first like sort of like forty minutes of the film, however long it takes for them to get um, to that car chase and the cello, and then after that, once they're in Austria, it's just it is kind of downhill from there for me. Mm. So that's why it's a seven. Yeah, I gave it six, hmm. which from memory I think is probably better than any of the Roger Moore ones. I think most of those were like fives and fours and stuff. Yeah. So I think it might be in my best. F- four or five Bond films <laughs> so far, mm. which yeah. is not very high praise, but there you go. Well, I give it a three out of ten. Ooh. Shit. Wow. <clears throat> the worst one yet. Wow. Is it going to get any worse than that? Well, you've seen Dine of the Day. <laughs> yeah, but not not for a long time. Okay. I don't know if I'll hate it as much when I come back to it. Mm-hmm. I've not seen it since it came out in the cinema, so when was that? 2001? 2002, 2001. <laughs> so I was like 11 or 12. You know, I, I, I was probably a lot more quick to hate things that I just mildly <laughs> disliked back then. So. <laughs> I can't imagine watching Die Another Day and being as bored with it as I was with this film. Mm. And unable to like follow, just focus and like. It's not that it's too complicated. It's just so interminably dull. It's just like I just can't follow it because I just can't bring myself to care. It's like yeah. football trying to watch sport. <laughs> yeah, just can't do it. Well, a lot of people like sport. A lot of people like James Bond. Um, <laughs> can we talk about the poster? Oh, okay. What's he doing? What's that weird little prance he's doing? <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, jumping into shots. It's like, he's, like he's going, ooh. Like he's, like he's worried he's going to step on something. But... <laughs> it just doesn't look very um, suave. <laughs> uh, Calvin, how was yeah. the film received at the time? I believe it was received well. Um, well enough, I think it was, in box office terms anyway, it was an uptick from the previous one. Dalton was received well. It was positive at the time. Yeah, certainly now it's perceived as being one of the one of the better Bond films. Really? Really? Oh yeah, yeah. I always thought Timothy Dalton was seen as like a, a real low point, and it's kind of, with a bit of time, developed a bit of a cult following who like Timothy Dalton, but they're still kind of a minority of well, this one was received well. The next one was not so well received for a variety of reasons. Really? Um, yeah, I think. People, yeah, I mean, it's when it's the first one as well. People are just sort of more naturally curious, I guess, and just giving them benefit yeah, of the doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, Do you think I'll like the next one more? Uh, it's It's sort of like Bond doing. Die Hard or Rambo, there is a certain Americanization Ooh. going on with it. <laughs> so you might like it more on that basis. It's got Benicio del Toro in it as well. Yeah, like him. very young. Do you what? What do you think is my best bet at like the next one that I'm probably going to actually enjoy? Golden Casino Royale, maybe. <laughs> you reckon it's going to be all the way to Casino Royale? You might you like Golden Eye. Like... Everyone I think... likes Golden Eye. I think you'll enjoy the Pierce Brosnan ones, even if you don't think they're necessarily good films. Okay. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I think I can get on board with the Pierce Brosnan stuff in a kind of, uh, what's the word? In a very kind of loose way, in a kind of like, <laughs> yeah, that was all right. But I base this on nothing. I mean, it might be terrible. I reckon I'm going to love Quantum of Solace. I think that's going to be the one for me. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love how it picks up directly from the end of the last film. Mm, and mm. they were just making it up on the fly. And uh, you have to deal with like r- real, real world ramifications of uh, the events of a Bond film. That's what I'm going to like. <laughs> is any of that remotely accurate? What I just said, <laughs> is that what Quantum of Solace is? Yeah, yeah in a way. 
Well, It'll be a good few years before we get there anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We, we're, we're stepping up the pace. We'll have now. to have them done before the next Bond film. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, fucking hell, how long is that going to take them? Yeah. Like seven years. <laughs> We'll be doing all the Austin Powers and stuff just to fill the like, <laughs> gap. Maybe we'll be re-reviewing the Bond films. <laughs> we just work our way through them again. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I mean, you've just described my personal like, purgatory. <laughs> seventh level of hell. Double O seventh level of hell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, ding dong. Oh, God. Hello, who's there? Hola. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. It's Japanese Bond. I've got coronavirus. Don't shake oh, my hand. <laughs> How the hell would you have got coronavirus? <laughs> well, I know it's a Chinese thing predominantly, but there's there's actually 163, 161, sorry. There's actually 161 people in Japan, including myself, who've... Uh, contracted the disease so far and counting there's a cruise ship in japan right now that's uh quarantined and everyone's catching the virus on it it's like a zombie movie <laughs> does this mean you might finally die and fuck off you know japan's actually the second most infected nation in the world so far well, there's four people who got it in Brighton, so... Just, that's what I do, isn't it? It's ja- Japan. Japan facts. This might not even be relevant by the time this episode goes out. <laughs> <laughs> they might have, have, have you not had that cure that oh. they developed? No, well, I mean, lads, i got to be honest, it becomes hard to think of Japanese stuff that we've not already done several times. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really... I'm scraping the barrel now, lads. <laughs> You haven't really got coronavirus, have you? You're faking it. I can tell you're not a good enough actor to do it. No, I know. Well, I don't know what I don't know what symptoms are. It affects your respiration you or something. You couldn't even oh, be bothered to Google coronavirus. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. oh, it's water coming out. Look, did you come for a reason or just to annoy us? I, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't travel across the globe at the height of. Global pandemic <laughs> for no reason, did I, lad? Well, I'm glad you've come into our to... small studio with your with your virus. That's really nice. <laughs> oh, it's on my oh. face. <laughs> oh. 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 I uh, I just wanted to welcome Mark Rogers to uh, to the Patreon. <laughs> He's a uh, Lu- lunatic uh, donated three dollars a month. That's three times as much as you need do, but uh, I guess she likes a show, sure. And this is and this is how you repay him with this travesty. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Mark. <laughs> Maybe he read it wrong. Maybe he made a mistake. <laughs> Maybe he thought we were a different podcast. <laughs> I'm clinging on for Mark. That's why I'm not gonna let this be the end. Yes. Well, obviously, uh, coronavirus vaccine costs three dollars exactly, so that's worked out quite nicely. Oh, that's lucky. I want to ask you a question. How do you feel about Timothy Dalton as a Bond? <laughs> I mean, he's he's not he's not quite um, Japanese, is he? Not Japanese enough. <laughs> that's that's no, your major no. complaint. What is he? What is he? He's not Scottish. He's not Japanese. So he's basically fucking nothing. <laughs> uh, who would you cast as Bond? Who would I cast? What now? Yeah, because Daniel Craig's gonna. Retire. Uh, hang on a sec. I'm just googling Japanese actors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Takeru Shatoi. I like him or her. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, uh, I think I'd go with maybe uh, Ewan McGregor. <laughs> Just chucking a squat in there as well, you know. For good. Can I ask you another question? Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, how old should Miss Moneypenny be? Oh, God. I mean, the rule's like, what is it? It's uh, half half the age of the Bond. <laughs> Plus seven. 
and then divide it by two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Okay. Well, thank you to what was it, Chris Rogers? I forgot the name. <laughs> Mark, Mark. Mark Rogers. Sorry. Thank you to Mark Rogers for your very generous donation. Uh, it is your fault that Japanese Bond is here today. Yes. So <laughs> you covered my airfare. So, uh, anyway, you, oh. you can go on your way now. Are you staying over or are you going straight back? Where do you stay when you're over here? You go to an Airbnb? <laughs> I, I I like staying in hostels. Is that because we? <laughs> is that because we're paying for it? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, am I? MI6 or whatever aren't paying the bills like they used to, are they? i am uh, got to pay my own way now. It's like Still Game. You ever watch that? <laughs> yes, yes, I I'm do. It's an old man with my retirement fund, my pension. <laughs> so uh, I like staying in hostels. Yeah, that's good. Um, all right. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, <laughs> bye. Bye. Right, sh- sh- Go on. See ya. Get out. Hopefully not for the last time. <laughs> well, let's not get hasty. You know, lads, I'm really... It means a lot to me that you lads let me come and be on the show whenever. Okay, thank you. And, no, see I ya. Just, I got to see bye. You mean a lot to me. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thank <laughs> you. It's becoming like an old relative that we have to humour. <laughs> <laughs> mm. oh, well, he might not be around for the next one. Hey, so next up is more more Dalton in our next Bond. Uh, the eighties comes yes. to a close, uh, and it's going to be our last kind of Cold War Bond. Uh, it's, it is going to be quite a significant mm. end of an era. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to the one after that. <laughs> uh, yes, we we are. Hello, listener. We are doing a bit more Bond uh, in the next uh, couple of months because we're building up to the new film, which is called No Time to Die. Um, mm. Is that No Time to Die? As in, oh, I can't die now. I'm in a rush. Or is it like, <laughs> oh, this is a bad time to die. This is No Time to Die. We don't know yet. We haven't. Is it a very subtle what's double the difference? Meaning? We, we don't well, know isn't yet. Isn't that the exact same no. thing? No, because you might be saying like, oh, this is no time to die. I've just... just uh... Yeah, I'm, I've got my fucking washing on. I need to... <laughs> and, yeah. No, like, because no, you, could, no, you might say, oh, this is no time to die because everything's nice. I don't want to die now. There's, everything's going well. Oh, okay. But if you've just got no time to die because it's, like, it's a time-consuming activity as Japanese Bond has just demonstrated, I guess it's very subtle and clever double meaning. Mm. Or is it just is it a brummy saying they're like really rushed off their feet to die? Oh God. Is that is that yeah, the idea? Yeah, brummy. Has there ever, has there ever been a regional accent in a James Bond film outside of Scottish? <laughs> Sheriff Pepper. I meant I meant British regional accent, obviously. I can't think of one. Um... No, they're all from Oxbridge University, wherever that is. Hmm. All very southern. You mean even in the Craig era, they've not had like Stephen Stephen Graham as double. Oh, Sean Bean as a double O. Christopher agent. Eccleston for the next Bond. That's <laughs> that's what we need. So Calvin, Sean Bean is in Goldeneye. Does he do his own accent, or is he doing a trying to do? It? I mean, if he tries to do a posh accent, obviously it wouldn't work. Oh so. no, he he can do a posh accent. He does it quite well. Yeah, mm, horn blower, uh, and he does it in Goldeneye as well. Uh, uh, we're not talking about Goldeneye next, though. We're talking about License to Kill. <laughs> So, um, well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Done. Done for this week. Yeah. So, we are going to be a bit more Bond-heavy soon, um, but in the meantime, uh, that's it. it? Mm. Keep living those daylights.